dedicated to providing examples of setting personal boundaries at work. We always start each episode by defining words we use frequently on the show. The first being boundary, something that indicates or fixes a limit. For example, if somebody reached out and tried to touch your hair during a meeting or at work, a boundary you could set with them was, please don't do that again or ever. Gaslighting to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. For example, if your ideas keep being glossed over at work constantly, and then all of a sudden your manager says, it feels like you're not contributing to the team. Is there a reason you're not doing that? That's gaslighting. Dismissive, showing that something is unworthy of consideration. For example, if you in that same conversation or maybe prior, you have given your ideas constant numerous times in meetings and they say, we're not really feeling that right now. We're probably gonna go with Jim's idea for now, but keep, keep plugging them on and doing what you're doing. That's dismissive. Today's episode is titled Black Woman Leading. And I know I have several guests on here that fit that description. So I'm really excited to talk about that today. My special guest today is Laura Knights. She's an executive coach, speaker, facilitator, and licensed clinical social worker with 17 plus years of experience creating personal and professional development programs that have touched leaders all over the world. Whoa. Her expertise and background in business, human resources, adult education, and social work uniquely equip her to teach others how to deal with both the head work and heart work required to succeed at work and in life. Wow. Laura is the creator of Black Woman Leading program and podcast and the founder and lead consultant for Knights Consulting LLC, a leadership development consultancy that provides customized training and coaching programs to create more confident leaders and high-performing teams. Laura is a teacher and master strategist at heart. With all her endeavor, with all her endeavors, she always aims to fulfill her why, which is to educate and empower people so that they can uncover their full potential, walk boldly in it, and create their own legacy. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Excited. I've been watching you on LinkedIn, so excited to, to be on the stage with you today. I'm not excited for you to be here specifically because of the work that you're doing. Could you talk about what inspired Black Woman Leading? Yeah, you know, before I started my current consultancy working in organizations doing leadership work, I was actually a small business advisor for Black women founders. And so for about six years, I ran a program called Dream Builders Mastermind. And it was all about helping new Black women founders not only grow their businesses, but also build up that confidence so that they can really put themselves out there. And so I would always kind of have a foot in corporate consulting. I always did it, you know, had a foot in it, but it wasn't my full thing like it is now. So I was on a plane one day going to a speaking engagement and I actually wrote, this was 2017. I actually wrote the outline for Black Woman Leading on the Back of a Napkin. And, and what, what, you know, encouraged me to do this is that at the time of working with founders, 
all of my, about 99% of my clients were what I would call corporate refugees. They were um, women who had mid senior managers who had worked in corporate, got tired of some of the things you talked about, gaslighting, being dismissive, and for their own kind of emotional wellness and personal reasons, they end up launching and starting their business. And so they were finding this freedom. But I started to think about uh, everyone is not going to be an entrepreneur, right? Everyone is not going to leave. Uh, some people can't. Some people are not interested. So what could I do knowing the work I was doing with Black women that were for Black women that chose to stay in their jobs and, and help them to navigate that? So that was a little bit of the impetus for Black women leading. And then when I you know, moved fully into the corporate consultant and I would be in these rooms doing uh, sessions with executives and I would only be the often only be the only black woman in there. I saw them in the office, this is pre-COVID, so I saw them walking around in the office, but they were never in that room with me. Mm. And so I thought, okay, we, we, what can I do to bridge the gap so I can connect with my sisters and support them in the way that I know that they need to be supported, not only from that external view, but I also was a senior leader in a university for 10 years and I was the only black woman on my level. So I know what that um, isolation feels like personally as well. Oh, and I'm so happy that you are doing the work that you're doing. I know what it feels like as well to be the only person on that level that you're on. And even if you see other Black women in the space, they're definitely not in the room that you're in. Exactly. Right? So when you're the only Black woman on the level that you're on, how important is it to set boundaries at, at that level? I think it's really critical um, to set boundaries, no matter what level you are at, right? Mm -hmm. But I find that oftentimes as you kind of move up, your influence grows a bit, right? So you're not only doing that for yourself, you're not only uh, isolated sometimes, so you have to do it for yourself because there's not a strength in numbers there, right? But you also are sometimes modeling what that might look like for other people in the organization um, as well. And I, you know, I've been watching some of your episodes. I love that you get into the nitty gritty of the boundaries, but one piece that, that has been coming up quite a bit, not only for me personally, but also with some of the Black women leaders I work with, is not just setting those external boundaries, right, uh, of many of the uh, intro things you said, but the internal boundaries, because we're violating our own boundaries <laughs> quite a bit, and that personally has been my biggest, my biggest struggle with boundaries, violating my own. I've always been good with like checking other people mm -hmm. on, on um, not violating mine, but that boundary for yourself, respecting your own boundaries too. We got to get into that as well. Ooh, and we will get into it today. <laughs> um, I'm so excited about this. So that internal check, when was the last time you had to do a really hard internal check with yourself? This morning. <laughs> this morning. I mean, I'll say this and I'll just be transparent. Um, one of my biggest challenges professionally is that I'm a recovering workaholic. Mm. And so I had to do my work. Um, and therapists ate it, right? I had to do my work to learn that um, achievement is not my identity, right? I was always the the valedictorian, the, you know, the quote unquote golden child and all of that. And I don't think it was my parents that really put that in. They were always a try your best kind of parenting. Um, but I think it was the positive reinforcement of, you know, being smart and doing that you, you wanted that you wanted to keep getting that. So I, I think going to a, 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 the college that I went to too, also, 
you know, built that into me as a young adult. But I had to do some work to really understand that, you know, striving for excellence is one thing, right? We all want to strive for excellence. Um, but really managing your own expectations, perfectionism. I mean, it's all a byproduct of capitalism. I mean, we get into all of that. But having to do my own work of setting boundaries of taking care of myself, uh, listening to my body when I'm pushing it, you know, too hard, that that hustle mentality as an early entrepreneur, that grind, we don't sleep, all that foolishness uh, early on, early on as an entrepreneur when I was younger, I had to battle with a lot of that. So that's really been one of my biggest personal struggles with boundaries, like respecting my own. Oh, and I just yeah. want to repeat, achievement is not my identity. Exactly. Oh my gosh. I want to cry just saying that because I think so often, specifically yes. Black women, we yes. think that it is a badge of honor to just continue to grind, to hustle. Black excellence is out there. Black girl magic is out there. Yeah. Um, so it's so important to have those internal checks. How often would you say you have to do an internal check? Is it daily? Daily, a couple times a day. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, this is what this is what I did this morning. This was my check this morning. So I'm on a, a personal health journey, right? And trying to improve my health. I want to lose a little bit of weight, but outside of vanity, you know, I see what some of the health health outcomes are with women in my family as they get older. And I'm not going out like that. I'm just not going to go out like that. I cannot. I have two young children as well. So I'm trying to be a model. So I have been really trying to be consistent. I walk every morning. I went to see my chiropractor this morning, but I had a couple of deadlines on me. So I had that moment this morning where I was like, you know what? Nah, I'm not going to do the walk because I got to get this done and I had to like really check myself like homegirl no no because the time you would walk it still wouldn't be done the deadline mm. so so you have to like that really putting yourself first mm. and I think you know some of that is a cultural thing some of that is a role thing you know folks who are parents might be able to identify with that and some of that is like a deeper thing that I've had to deal with like identity being always being number one, always achievement. Mm -hmm. And those things have served me really well in my professional life, but I've suffered for that, for that too. And I'm, you know, in a place of really getting that together for myself now. Oh, and I'm so happy for you that you're able Thank to you. get yourself together now. Thank I love you. that boundary of being able to say, Hey, we're not going to hit it anyway. Let's take care of ourselves yep. away. Um, but what does that conversation look like when you have to talk about that deadline to the, the client or the person involved? Yeah, yeah. So I think one, we, we need to set expectations up front, right? That's also been um, a lesson that I've had to learn. So I know that I'm the person that I am a serial optimist, right? I will often uh, say, yeah, I can get that done by that time. And I could if I didn't sleep. And if I skipped my walk and if I, you know, ate the room, ate my dinner at the computer. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think first up front, um, this is a little bit of managing expectations. So one of the things I try to do is build in a cushion. I try to manage expectations up front. I try to let people know ahead of time when I am not going to be available so that they will not make their emergency my emergency in that moment. Um, so that's pre-work, right? But I think in the moment, it's really a negotiation skill, right? And so sometimes it is being able to accept the consequence when you've assessed this is not going to work and they're not going to be happy about it. 
I mean, I'm not going to hit the deadline. They're not going to be happy about it. But, you know, doing some of your own internal work to assess that I might have to deal with a consequence for that, but using that as a negotiation. So instead of saying, well, I just can't do anything, saying, you know, this piece that might be the starter piece I have ready for you. And then I can follow up with you on this. It's kind of being savvy, marinating in it a little bit, you know what I mean? Um, and, and trying to see what are ways that you can still give some value, even though if 100% of the value is not you know, ready to be handed over yet. It's, it's a game, it's a bit of a game. And I'm not gonna lie to you, you've used a lot of words that scared me. Use the word consequences, use the word negotiation. And for a lot of my audience, they could be feeling the same way, fearful. What would yeah. you say to those people that are afraid of those words? Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I would say, maybe we can call them something else, but <laughs> maybe we can call them something else. But I mean, if you've ever been in that space um, professionally, I've been in a space before where, you know, I didn't hit the, the deadline. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, so maybe I missed an opportunity, right? So, so I think one of the things is really normalizing that we have consequences every day in our life, right? We normalize that, right? Um, and, and I think when we can um, normalize these regular experience and remove the power from them. So, one of the mindset things I had to do in, in even, you know, moving out of this workaholic kind of space is understanding that absolutely there are consequences, but it's an opportunity cost. Mm. So, so yes, I may have to tell the client, I'm going to have that to you on Friday instead of Thursday. And that's rare. I usually plan ahead and, you know, meet my deadlines with my clients, but it happens. I'm human. But, but the consequence is if I went ahead and did it and I didn't, do that walk that helps me to, to, uh, you know, decompress and start my day right. So now I'm wound up the whole day during the work. I, I bore the brunt of that consequence. So I think it's understanding that it's a flip side of everything and really removing the power from that, right? So consequence is a word, right? That does not have to dominate over you. It is what it is, right? And you have uh, experienced and endured consequences before, and you still here, <laughs> you alive. So I, so I think it's about, you know, kind of mindset too, and removing some of the power from some of those words too. Oh, I love it. And I, I love that in the sense of boundaries, whenever I bring up the topic of boundaries for, um, with people who have not heard that term before or gaslighting or dismissive behavior, they immediately see it as a negative. They immediately yeah. like, oh, this girl's trying to do some stuff that I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself constantly, that has nothing to do with me. I know, who, I, with yeah, I know yeah. exactly what that is. Yeah. Um, but yet there are people out there who are fearful of that, just like they are fearful of those words, consequences yeah. and negotiation. Yeah. Um, could you talk about a time so that the people in my audience can kind of see where this fear is rooted from um, that, those consequences were not so positive? Yeah, yeah. I think, so if I put it in the context of my personal situation and actually quite a bit of the coaching that we do in the Black Woman Leading Program, and just for context, our audience are Black women leaders and managers. They are mid-career, so they're not entry level. They got some responsibility. They got at least 10 to 12 years of experience under their belt, right? Grown women, right? Um, so 
you know, when I, when we talk about, let's say there's a consequence that hasn't been good and then how do we navigate that? I think one of the key things that I've had to do and also that we teach in the program is about really um, understanding the rules that you live your life by and understanding that you can reset those rules, right? So in the early part of this journey of me kind of detaching my identity from my achievement, one of the rules were if you didn't hit every deadline, if everything wasn't you know, perfect, then you have failed. You as a person are a failure, you know, these kind of things. Now we're not, we aren't necessarily saying those harsh things to ourselves, but that's often how we're operating, right? That's often how we're operating uh, with the disappointment, distress, anxiety that we feel around those things. And so one of the things that I have had to do is reset my rules, right? What, what rule, I'm, that rule is that if everything is not 100% perfect, then it's just throw the whole thing away. That's really what that rule is. But when you really reflect on that and you reset the rule, right? Uh, and now a lot of my rules are about self-compassion, right? Uh, so it's not that. It's that I'm the bomb at what I do. And as a human being, there are going to be times when we have to uh, push back a deadline. And when I have reset that rule, that mindset rule, then that thing cannot destroy me when it happens, right? Um, it's just kind of like, okay, I got to deal with it. And what do we do to move forward and fix the problem? And you move forward. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of back from like stripping some of the power mm -hmm. from some of those consequences. Now, I have not... I've never experienced being terminated from a job or anything like that. We have had some of our participants that have experienced that though. And that's devastating, right? And so in those moments, they have had to reset some rules. They've had to reflect and acknowledge the part that they can own because there are parts that we can own mm -hmm. and acknowledge and say, mm, yeah, I, I did that and, and I have to own that. But there are also parts that we can let roll off and move forward to what our next thing is. So when I say negotiation, that's what I'm talking about. Oftentimes it's a self-negotiation, negotiating um, what things can I let go? What things do I need to take forward with me? What thing do I need to check myself on? Because I was wrong on that, right? I think it's, it's a little bit of all of that. I love it. So many internal boundary examples you have given us in this very episode. I'm so excited about it because so often I talk about on this show, the boundaries we can set with people at work, but even in that workplace, once you feel like a negotiation is coming up, yeah. you need to make sure you set a boundary with yourself saying, okay, I'm not taking all of this on. We're going into exactly. this conversation in mind that this is a relationship to have to a whole, let's yep. get it together and move forward. Yep. Yep. And what, and what am I willing to give and what am I demanding? What am I requesting mm -hmm. back in return as well? Oh, I love it, man. And it's so amazing to see that you are passing on these skills to other Black women who are going to be able to be in these positions and have the skills they need to communicate their boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, so you talked about the ability to set these internal boundaries. You've also talked about your therapist a little bit. <laughs> Shout out your therapist. But what else has kind of helped you to move from looking for achievements all the time to the boundary filled person you are today? Yeah, you know, I think some of it is kind of natural consequences too, right? And that's, that's my parenting style as well, natural consequences. Uh, but, but it, you know, it is, 
you have done, you know, violated the boundaries or sometimes let other people violate the boundary. And you have to sit in that, sit in what it feels like, sit in the disappointment, uh, sit in the stress of it. Uh, and doing that, you realize, oh, this don't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that. So it's not about like everybody's proactive and people are able to cut it off and, and not have their boundary, boundaries violated. No, sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes we didn't speak up in that moment. Sometimes we did do the work instead of do our walk, right? Um, and, and it's the natural consequence of really feeling that and knowing you don't want to feel it again. Right. So I think that has been a thing. Another thing that has been huge for me, not only as a mental health practitioner um, and, and starting my career in that way, but my father was lived with mental mental illness. Um, he is not with us anymore, but he had a few diagnoses and my father was really so. I mean, he was just so he held his own boundaries up. Um, that was really a lesson for me. Uh, he used to say, I mean, from the time I could remember, like five years old, he used to say this to me. And now his words come back in my head now. But he used to say things like, put yourself first so you can put others before you. Ooh. He used to say that all the time. And I didn't realize till I got older that he was saying that for his very survival because he had to take care of himself to live with some of the mental health challenges. He had to set those boundaries. He knew when something was too much or it was gonna set him off in a way or send him down a dark, a dark tunnel. So he was doing that for survival, but he modeled that, right? Uh, he caught, he caught, even as a child, he would call that out. I remember, I remember one time I was like 11 years old. My cousins were over. I was a little a more laid back kid. They were a little bit more kind of out there and they wanted to go outside and they wanted to do this and they wanted to do this. And I didn't want to do any of that, but I wanted to be with the cousins. And I remember my father just observing and pulling me to the side and was like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go outside, do you right now? And I was like, no. And he was like, you could say that. You could say that. So just those little, I think back then you didn't think about it, but I think back to that now that he was really modeling that for me early on. And I think that's why I had a bit of a leg up with the external boundaries and that my struggle was the internal boundaries because it was with me from a child. It was always with me because he had to do that to survive. Uh, he was very um, vocal, you know, and a lot of I don't want to um, stereotype, but this has been my experience. Um, in a lot of African-American families and communities, there's a lot of stigma around mental health. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. We don't go to therapy. We pray. I pray too, but I believe in therapy and prayer um, and these kind of things. And my father was not like that. He was always very, like I could have taught a class on bipolar when I was 12 years old. He, we were reading stuff. He was letting me know the symptoms, the stage of onset, because we have a lot of mental illness in our family and the onset was young people 1920 when it came up so he would educate me when I was in college are you feeling like this if this comes up it's okay to ask for help mm -hmm. so he was always very explicit about things in that way around mental health and I think that's what helped me to learn the external boundaries so modeling for sure from my father was a critical part of it I'm so glad you had it it sounds like an outstanding model of what external boundaries look like mm -hmm. in your life. So many people that I come in contact with, they just don't, they don't have that example. 
and they don't have the example within their workplace environment either. How important is it to have that example at work, do you think, to set it, to be able to set those healthy boundaries at work? Yeah, I think it's critical because it, it flows back and forth. And I think about the conversations we have in Black Woman Leading, why it's so powerful to have a community Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can't find it in your workplace, because maybe it's not there, maybe there's one or two people mm -hmm. that can be your community. You need that kind of sounding board professionally. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you need to create it outside of work. I mean, your, your friends, mm -hmm. um, you know, professional associations are things you create, because oftentimes if we go back to like the gaslighting, what is happening when you're isolated or when you're the only um, and you're in this situation where there's so many things going on. There might be so many microaggressions. Mm -hmm. uh, you're at the intersection, particularly as a Black woman, of you know racism, sexism, and all these kind of things that you can start to be bombarded with messages such that you start to internalize them, mm -hmm. such that you start to think you are the problem, mm -hmm. uh, such that you start to think, well, maybe I am being too sensitive when no, you're not being too sensitive, people are out of line. And so you need a mirror, right? You need some type of community, some type of mirror that you can check in with because you know, you're know you outnumbered sometimes in those spaces. And if you don't have a really robust reflective practice or a community that can reflect back to you, you can, you can get lost in that. You can get lost in that. You can get lost in yeah. that. And I love that you touched on when you don't have anybody else that looks like you or is similar to you in that space, you will internalize those messages yeah. that you're getting. Yeah. And um, although they are being abusive um, in that manner, um, you kind of have to take hold of that and say, okay, I need to find support elsewhere or yeah. else I'm going to continue to internalize these messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So many gems in this today. Um, before we open it to the floor, to the audience, to see if they have any questions for you, could you share the top three tips for maybe Black women or anyone out there that's looking to set better boundaries at work or to move into the fields that you have mentioned today? Yeah. I would say I'm always going to start with self. I'm always going to start with self-awareness, right? I think a lot of times when we are in workspaces or any kind of relationships, even our family, our romantic relationships, and we have these feelings of discontent, right? Like you're hearing it now with the great resignation, right? That's all in the news where people are like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. Oh, it's just something doesn't feel right. It's the vibe. You know, we use this type of language, but oftentimes when we're feeling at discontent or we're feeling out of alignment, it's because our values and our boundaries are being violated or they're not being honored. And so everything within you, your mind, your body is talking to you to tell you, you know, your stomach starts hurting. Uh, we've had we've had people that I've worked with that had to go see the dentist because they're grinding their teeth at work because they're stressed, right? Not even realizing it, have a toothache and realize they ground their teeth down, right? Uh, so everything within us, our biology, our minds, they're created to protect us. There is a mind-body connection. And so things, we'll be having 
stomach aches and headaches and all of these kind of things because this is our body saying we're out of alignment mm -hmm. so I think the very first thing is to do a little self-awareness a little self-reflection maybe some journaling if that's difficult for you to do that reflective practice talking with a coach or your therapist or, or even a, a, a trusted friend who has that capacity to really outline what are your values? Mm -hmm. Like, what are your values? What are the key things that have to be there for you or else it's a deal breaker? For me, I have to have some community. Mm -hmm. I have to have um, some type of change or transformation or things that we're doing, right? So if you have to have those, when you don't have the language for it, it's hard for you to verbalize what's going on. It just feels funny, or I'm just not feeling this, or I just feel stressed. But it's important for you to have language for it so you can address it adequately, right? Mm. So I would start with that self-awareness exercise. What are my values? What needs to be present for me to thrive in this workplace? Once you have some language for that, then it's very easy for you to hold up your experience to that. And if your stuff is looking like this, <laughs> out of alignment, <laughs> then that's your trigger point that either you need to start giving some feedback and having some discussions to request some different things, or it may be your time to make a transition if that space is not capable of giving you those things. So I would always start with that self-awareness piece. And then it comes to like holding up against. When you do that self-awareness piece too, it could also help you to identify why you are having certain conflicts at work with people, with certain people, um, why you are feeling unfulfilled in a role. It all starts with you. It all starts with you. And that's going to be different for, for different people. Uh, so I will start from there and then get to holding that stuff up to your list. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much because it speaks to boundaries. Boundaries for me is self-advocacy. Yep. You're being your first line of defense and your ability to, like you said, use the vocabulary that you have to communicate those boundaries is how you're going to see whether or not that organization is able to deal with your healthy boundaries yes. and the values that you have to uphold. Because um, if you set a boundary there and they immediately cross it or they continue to cross it and they say, or they dismiss you and say, oh, that's not what we do here. We don't care about racism, sexism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, and then you'll and, <laughs> and if you're not and if you're not clear on it, so it goes back to those rules. If you're not clear on it, then how can you communicate it? Mm. How can you hold somebody else accountable to upholding it? And then the other piece I think that's really important of boundaries, because this is a reciprocal process, mm -hmm. you have to respect other people's boundaries too. So you will find that people who have not done their own boundary work are more likely to violate other people's boundaries mm -hmm. as well. So, so we don't want to be abusing people either because we haven't done our own, our, our work as well. Oh, I just want to touch on that really quick because there are a lot of organizations where you'll set healthy boundaries and they've never come in contact with that before. Yep. Their organization is built upon no boundaries. Yep. That's culture there. You call yep. me whenever you want to. We don't stop yep. working until the job is done. All of that. Yeah. So, but just because they don't have boundaries doesn't mean you won't set yours and don't yeah. abuse their lack of not boundaries, I guess. 
Yeah, and I mean, part of it is you putting systems in. So it may not be that you actually have to address it. I used to work for a place like that. Mm-hmm. And I started to put systems in. Like if, mm-hmm. if I was on only work to five o'clock, I put an autoresponder on my email at five o'clock, right? Or that I'm out of the office, I'll return tomorrow. Now, in another place, you may not have to do that. You just go home and come back. <laughs> but if you know that people are expecting you to respond at nine o'clock at night, uh, that in meetings, I would say we're working on a project. Let's say it's Wednesday. I would say, okay, uh, I just want to get some clarity on what needs to be completed by Friday because I don't work on the weekends, right? So, so you, it's not necessarily that you have to call them out. It's mm-hmm. you just have to state what yours are, mm-hmm. and, and people will kind of, kind of get in line or not. You might have to repeat it a few times, but. It's, it's kind of like the other thing my father used to say is be a thermostat and not a thermometer, right? So set, set the temperature and people either have to rise up to that or come down. <laughs> well, you you're, yeah, well, you're a thermometer. If it's hot, you hot. If it's cold, you cold. But no, I'm at, I'm at 70 degrees. So you wanna, if you want to kind of get with me, you need to come up. If yeah. you look cold, come on up. If you look hot, come on down. So yeah. you cannot do that proactively right proactively if you have not taken the time to really reflect on what those rules need to be for you oh so many great gems wow i'm about to tell people to get that coat because i am a thermostat not a thermometer, not a thermometer. oh my not a gosh thermometer. this is the time of the show where we open it to the floor for anybody in the audience that has questions laura is now in the hot seat she knows everything about anything she can answer <laughs> these questions too much pressure <laughs> For to kick it off, I am going to ask you a question. Anybody in the audience, you can type your questions in the chat and I'll get to them right after this question. My question for you is, what are some of your go-to phrases for setting boundaries? Yeah, some of my <laughs> some of my go-to phrases is that doesn't work for me. Uh, I like to say that, but I will I'll always follow it up. So I will say if someone, a perfect example, uh, a client that we have a session coming up, we've rescheduled it about two or three times because they've had some different challenges. I've been amenable to that because I had the space in my schedule. Well, I no longer have the space in my mm-hmm. schedule and I got a last minute response. Oh, such and such forgot they had this. Can we switch it to this? So I respond that unfortunately that does not work for me mm-hmm. uh, what you could do is record the session and you know share it with them in our debrief i will give you some tips on what you could do to bring them up to speed right so still keeping my space but there's still some grace there particularly in that kind of client relationship uh, other things that i i like to say is not at this time uh, especially if it's something where I'm like, eh, I might want to do it, but right now I don't think I'm equipped to say yes to it. So I'll say, not at this time. Um, maybe we can revisit that in X time. Um, other things I like to say, this is a little bit more extreme. Uh, this is rare now. I experienced this more when I was somebody's employee, right? Because you have people you have to deal with. Uh, with someone being rude or their tone is inappropriate uh, to me, I'll call somebody on tone in a minute. I will call out that tone in a minute. So I would say the tone you're speaking to me is not acceptable. We can continue this conversation, uh, but I would like us to soften the tone. So I'll do that. I rarely have to do that, but I had to do that quite a few times when I was someone, uh, someone's employee. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I love all of those examples that you gave us because they're, they are putting the, the, I guess, onus and just the focus on you. I don't yep. have time. I don't have time for that right yes. now. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yep. I love it. We do have a question. What are some of the approaches you have taken to mitigate white people with or people with privilege and power from lashing out at you over personal boundaries, not being in tune with white supremacist work culture norms? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, when I think about those approaches, I am at this particular stage in my life, I am not really often in the space to educate people at that moment. Now, I do a lot of education and training for my work, but when my personal values as a professional or my boundaries are being violated, in that moment, um, my number one priority is not to educate you on, on that. And so I really sit in that um, because that's emotional labor that sometimes I'm not interested in doing. And I don't think it would be a productive use of my time with you anyway. Um, and so I approaches that I use is really kind of calling, calling it out and, and calling it out is more um, surface level. I, I probably wouldn't necessarily say uh, as I, if I think in a work environment, you are, you know, uh, pushing the ideals of white supremacy on me. I probably wouldn't go that deep. Right. But I would say um, something to the extent of um, I would address the tone. I would also address, um, let's say, uh, if it was that I wasn't going to work on the weekend or I wasn't going to grind, grind, grind or push harder just to put an example to it. I would say just reiterate. I use a broken record technique. Reiterate what my boundary is mm -hmm. um, because I have kind of removed myself of trying to make you understand. Mm -hmm. I think I, at one point in my development it was a very much a trying to explain and make you understand and I found that people want to do what they want to do oftentimes and so I'm going to re release myself from that kind of emotional labor so I will use the broken record technique now this requires a mindset thing right because you cannot internalize what they're saying mm -hmm. so you have to know that problem is theirs and not yours uh, and that that's not your problem to solve. But what we can discuss here is what the boundary is. So as I stated, I would not be able to reschedule. Here are the options. What would you like to do? And I might say that two or three times. Again, I am not available at that time. And I will continue to do the broken record technique until they get the message that I am not budging. Now, other people will take a different approach. No judgment on that. Uh, some people will really engage and go into the education piece and all of that. Uh, I do that sparingly these days, only if there's really some insight that a person wants to learn, that a person wants to engage. And oftentimes, if a person is adamant about violating your boundary, they are not willing to learn. Mm. And so I'm not going to expand that type of energy. So broken record technique. Say the same thing over and over and over. And just a point about broken record technique. It is going to be harder for you initially than it is for the other person. Mm -hmm. So here's an example I like to give in Black Woman Leading. Let's say, this is a, a silly example, but just to illustrate the concept. Let's say, okay, my name is Laura. Let's say you've been calling me Lucy for the last five months that you know me. You thought my name was Lucy. You called me that. I didn't want to make a big deal about it. So I just answered to Lucy you know, every time you, you say it, right? 
But let's say I have a moment of awareness and I say, you know what, this is foolish. Why am I letting these people call me Lucy? And so then I say, excuse me, my name is Laura. People are gonna look at you like you're crazy the first time that you set that boundary, right? And they might say, okay. And the next time they'll come back and call you Lucy, you're going to have to say again, no, if you recall last time, I called you Laura. My name is Laura, rather. So so it's the type of thing that it's usually a little harder for you initially to do the broken record technique and keep saying it. But eventually people get it. They do get it. And they either roll their eyes and don't engage with you or they respect what you are asking them to do. So just a little example on that technique. Oh, thank you so much for the question. And I appreciate your answer because it really touches on the emotional labor that comes with that education, should we choose to do so. I think recently, a lot of people are expecting that education. They're also um, promoting for people that look like you and myself to provide that education. It's one of the things that's happening. Um, But there are professionals out there with those titles and have those skills in place. So it is very important for my audience and anyone listening out there to know that that's not your job. Like you can do it. You can volunteer. Go ahead. But Laura and I, we have several jobs and hats that we have to wear. Um, That just ain't one of them on the spot educator. And there is Google. There is the Google. I mean, in this last year, the number of articles I've seen with reading lists. I mean, so if people are interested, people will find people will find it. Uh, you know, I always laugh because the the old people in my family say the Google. <laughs> Um, yeah, people will find it if they truly are seeking. A lot of times that's gaslighting behavior though, right? Throwing it in your face, trying to get you to educate to rile up uh, when they're not interested in learning. Interested. And I love that you also said, if you're able to um, discern an inkling of wanting to learn more about it. But yeah. once again, that goes back to trusting yourself and yeah. your ability to kind of sift out gaslighting abusive behavior and dismiss in other people and it's Um, your prerogative if you want to do it or not it is your prerogative yeah as bobby brown would say (laughs) (laughs) we have another question what ultimately gave you the confidence to become an entrepreneur well, you know, I, I've always been an entrepreneur. My, both of my parents were entrepreneurs. Again, that modeling. So representation matters, right? Um, my very first job, I was, an entrepreneur, I was a neighborhood tutor. I had little invoices and I had retainers and everything. I thought I was doing it, y'all. Um, but I will say, I'm glad you said confidence um, because we really have to look at the systemic effects on us of racism, sexism. It really is a trauma. And so when we go back, when I go back to, you know, early, earlier business where I was working with Black women founders, these women were all consultants. So all my clients were service providers. They were uh, expert. So they did the kind of stuff I did, consulting, coaching, training, speaking, um, that kind of thing. When they left their employment, they were not entry-level people. We're talking about mid and senior, real experts making buku money for somebody else using their uh, mental uh, capacities, right? When they left out of and started their business, the biggest thing that we worked on, we worked on business strategy, we worked on marketing, we worked on pricing, we worked on all that. The biggest thing, um, and this is why I was so grateful for my therapist's work in education at that time, was the confidence thing. Mm -hmm. 
And so we do not always realize the number that racism and sexism and capitalism has done on us, the messages that it has um, bombarded us, how it has taught us to silence ourselves and to accept. And when you're operating in a system that mirrors those things, it's kind of default, it's business as usual. But when you step out and you can create your own rules as an entrepreneur, it is often quite an emotional journey for people to um, unlearn some of those things or relearn themselves, boost their confidence, um, especially because the early stages of business for many people are not profitable right away. So go back to that challenge I had of achievement, everything I ever did, because I put that and I just was a workhorse, right? But then when I came into my own business and I had never been a you know full-time entrepreneur before and I had to learn some of these things, of course I had some failures. Of course I had some deals I couldn't close. And because that identity was connected to achievement back to capitalism, that I had to really take a look and say, man, this confidence work. So for some people, it's a little bit of a breakdown before it's a breakup. What I a build up rather, what I would say is get support early on. If you don't have money to hire a coach or anything like that, you have the SBA offices. SCORE is an organization of retired business professionals that offer free counseling and coaching. There's a lot of resources out there um, it, before you get to the place of investing yourself. Get yourself a therapist. May I'm talking about entrepreneurship will really test your mental health as well too. Get yourself a therapist um, and build you up a board of advisors, not only to help you build your business, but to take care of your mental wellness as well. So many gems in this. I surely appreciate it myself as an entrepreneur. So thank (laughs) you. Any other questions? Before I I have a couple more questions I need to ask. Okay. Ooh, I need to. Um, Have you ever crossed people's boundaries while at work? Have I ever crossed? I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have. I don't know if I always was addressed on it. Mm. Um, I think there's a privilege that sometimes comes in being in leadership. Mm. uh, That sometimes people, uh, especially if people like you, and if you're a nice leader and you look out for them. People will give you the benefit of the doubt and let you overlook things. I've always tried to be the person and the leader that really asks for genuine feedback um, from my team. Maybe this is a boundary. I don't know. I know um, my style is very kind of visionary on the fly. I'm a brainstormer. I make up the agenda as I go, right? And I have one of my skill sets have been hiring people that have strengths in my weakness areas, right? And so I I can think about situations where I've had team members and colleagues kind of pull me, and I guess maybe it was a boundary violation, but it was assuming that the way we do things is the way that everyone does things. So so I remember one time, I, I mean, a team that I love to this day, I no longer work with them, but to this day, we all keep in touch. Um, I remember we had this big project and we're in this meeting and I'm like brainstorming with the whiteboard and this is what we're going to do. And I remember just like stone faces when I was asking them for feedback. And I went into, come on, you guys, we got to do this. You got to, I need your feedback. Blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of silent and I just kind of ended the meeting, thought maybe they were tired. And someone came back to me later and was like, we don't operate like that. We need the agenda beforehand. We need to reflect a little bit before 
And so it was, it was more about understanding, and this is a boundary, that the way you operate, this will work for your, this will bless you in your romantic relationship too. <laughs> the way, I'm speaking from 18 years of being married, so I'm telling you to bless you. The way you operate is not the only way. It is not necessarily the right way. Um, and we have blind spots because we assume that, I mean, it's just human nature, right? The way that we do it is, is the way that everybody do it, right? And so I think, you know, one of the things that I really try to be mindful of now is asking up front, like, what, what, what does this need to be to be a good working relationship for you? What do you need to really be able to operate in your genius zone? And try to be aware of that, right? Try to be aware of that. Because you could be demotivating people. You could be crossing people's boundaries, not intentionally, but it doesn't matter if it's intentionally or not, if it's happening, right? Um, so you always got to do that check, not only with self, but with the people that you're working with as well. Oh, I'm, that was an amazing gem. Oh my gosh. I hope everybody who's listening right now that had pen and paper and wrote it down because that's amazing. And it works on so many levels as you as an employee, you as yeah. a leader, you as a high level executive, the ability to kind of take feedback from people on your yeah. team and then implement it moving forward. So you're no longer crossing boundaries. It's, yeah it's amazing and will make better teams and more productive teams. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, before we round out tonight's episode, I would love to hear any last minute golden nuggets you'd like to share with everyone listening. Oh, last minute golden nuggets. I, I would just say, you know, a lot of boundaries and I, I said this before, but I think it's so important. So I'll just end with this is, is really about doing your work. And that work looks like, as I said, really clarifying what those values are for you. But also I think examining what your rules are. And sometimes your rules need to be reset. Like the way that you are conduct living your life, the mindset that you're working in. One of my rules was the achievement thing all the time, right? Um, it You have to take that time to reset because oftentimes you may be feeling away or just disconnected and not realizing it's because boundaries are being violated. And it may be that boundaries are being violated because you didn't clarify them you didn't communicate them, right? So people are not mind readers. Um, we have to do our work. We have to self-advocate as Katrina talked about, and we have to be brave and say what the line is for us. If we cannot say what the line is, it's gonna be very difficult for other people to respect that line. Oh, it is going to be very difficult for other people to respect that line. I hope mm -hmm. everybody heard that and takes that with them. And the next conversation they have with anybody, make sure that you're aligned in your values and that yeah. your boundaries are being met and respected. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, thank you everybody in attendance and everybody listening to this. Once again, this has been absolutely not. I am your host, Katrina Stroll. My amazing special guest today was Laura Knights. Please reach out to her. Her information will be in the show notes when this is published, as well as the listing of our sponsors. Yes, we have sponsors Yay. and partners. Yay. They're also listed on my website, www.katrinastroll.com. I cannot thank you all enough for supporting this space so that we can continue to grow and have these amazing conversations. But this is us signing off and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.